Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me on the reunion tour, I have Ben Goldstein, who is the VP of Marketing at Nutshell. And if you are new to the show, the reunion tour means that Ben has been on this podcast before, and this is round two. So Ben, welcome back, man. This is a pleasure. Yeah, it's a huge honor. Usually my podcast appearances end with me being banned for life. (laughs) This means a lot to me, Sam. We're going to give you a second chance. You know, it was, it was shaky <laughs> the first one. Was like, myself, you know yeah. I feel it like happens. we need to have him back just to kind of clear the air here. No, I'm just kidding. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, Ben uh, was on episode 160 and uh, he dove into their content marketing strategy, which is mm-hmm. killer. Obviously, you're doing a great job at Nutshell. Thank you. And uh, that's really why they reached out to you was for your expertise in that area, I believe, from last Correct. time we talked. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's a pro in that space. Um, So definitely give episode 160 a listen. But today we have a totally different topic, which I'm really excited about. It's how do we beat marketing objections internally? And that's your CEO, your board, et cetera. And I think a lot of marketers probably are going to identify with this. And this is an article that you actually wrote. And I'll link to this in the podcast notes for people that go look at it, entrepreneur.com. So if you need it, definitely go reference it there. But before we jump into the actual podcast, my opening question to you is, are you an Apple guy or an Android guy? Apple for laptops, Android for my cell phone. Does that and make life no- hard? Yeah, it does. It probably makes life harder than it needs to be. And I think it was just a bad experience. I, I got an iPhone a long time ago, maybe like back in 2009, 2010. And it, like I was just not getting reception in my little apartment in Brooklyn, mm. New York. And I was like, ah, forget this. Uh, what, what else is out there? Samsung Galaxy One? Uh, so I got that. And that's been my life. You know, it's it's hard to break tech habits. Yeah, it makes sense. That being said, like, I cannot live without my MacBook Pro. <laughs> you know, I have a, a friend that's the exact same way. And he produces like music professionally. And he's like, look, I would never go back on the operating system for a computer when it comes to Mac. But he's like sold out to his Samsung phone. I'm just like, Okay, bro. It's it's kind of funny. It's comical at this point to like rag on him, but there yeah. are other people like you. So don't don't in, feel like in you're in a weird situation. Yeah, we matter <laughs> and we vote. So, you know, we yeah, there you voice. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Ben. Um, I'm excited to dive into this. So, like I mentioned, this was an article that you you wrote, uh, how to overcome these marketing objections. And we're just gonna break down and just kind of riff off each point and each of these objections and how you would tackle them. So again, this article is found at entrepreneur.com and a link to it in the show notes for people to find. Um, But let's dive into this. So the main objections, let's just tackle number one, Mm -hmm. uh, is we already tried that. Yeah. Where do we Uh, start with that? Well, I mean, just to give full context here, I, I just think marketers need to think like salespeople sometimes when they get this sort of pushback internally. Salespeople get pushback from their prospects and they have strategies to, you know, steer the conversation in a more productive way or keep the conversation going so it's not a completely dead lead. And I just think marketers, you know, we're not used to that. We're not used to constant rejection. We don't have the strategies in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to sort of build this muscle a little bit. We, we already tried that. Uh, I've heard that coming into a new marketing role. And that means the last guy tried it and failed. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, we, we've tried it a certain way and we're convinced it could never work for us. And what's weird about this one is 
I, I've usually heard this in the context of channels, like overall channels. Well, we've, we've tried PPC, well, we've tried Facebook ads before. Uh, we've tried an affiliate program before and you know, it didn't work. So we're not gonna try it again. Whereas, you know, like there are you know, countless ways a, a channel can fail mm-hmm. and just as many ways a channel can succeed. So, you know, you, you don't wanna be written off as like, it didn't work for us in the past. There's no way it can work in the future. If you believe in it, you think it's gonna work this time, I think the way to handle that objection, and this is going to be a common theme for me, I think, is just like gather some data and gather some mm. evidence. So speak to anybody on the team who's involved in that last engagement, uh, you know, whether it's a channel or, or a specific kind of strategy or campaign. Okay, what didn't work about it? Why didn't it work? Uh, talk to the people who were directly involved. Was it, you know, a, a, a agency or contractor we were working with that just wasn't right, the right fit? Mm-hmm. We didn't have the right messaging. You got to gather all this evidence. And then the second part of that is, well, now what's your plan for why it will be different in the future? Mm-hmm. So get, get really detailed and why it didn't work, understand that yourself, and then create a detailed plan for this is how it's going to be different. The past does not need to dictate the future. And as long as you can communicate that you have a different take, a different pathway, a different strategy for this particular marketing idea, uh, I think it, it stands to reason that you, know, you could be given a second chance and you can make an argument why that's a good idea. Yeah. So what happens if it was a predecessor that is no longer with the company? I mean, that seems to me like it would make it a little bit harder to dig into what actually was going on, right? That's true. I mean, and, and, you know, maybe there will be some people left over from that regime mm-hmm. that you can speak to. But I actually think that makes the conversation easier in a sense that like, well, that person couldn't figure it out. I have a completely different point of view and perspective on this particular marketing strategy. Give me a shot you know, and here's why exactly my thinking on this is different. Here's why the budget will be different. Here's why the, the people involved will be different. And, um, you know, just because the, the last guy tried and failed doesn't mean that I will. Mm-hmm. And you know what? A lot of channels get such a bad rap because they were poorly executed. And I can yeah. understand why that leaves such a bitter taste in the mouth of executives for sure. Yeah. But in your experience, like you present the the negative, right? Say, Hey, this is where it was wrong. And then you present the plan and the strategy to move forward. Has it been well-received when you have been presented with that objection? Personally, like from a direct report or, or, Oh, you mean from, uh, yeah. So when you present, yeah. So let's say you're like, you present everything, uh, in your experience, has it been, you know what, Ben, go for it. Spend six months on this and see what happens. I, I think it is because I've worked with good leaders, generally speaking. Uh, I, I've not worked with uh, toxic leaders who mm-hmm. do not trust me to do the job yeah. I've been hired for. <laughs> so luckily, you know, a lot of the stuff has not been my own personal experience where I could not beat an objection in this way. Uh, if it becomes a habit and you're hired to do, uh, to, you know, be, be a marketing leader at a company and you're constantly being second guessed and said, you know, you hear this, this hasn't worked for us in the past. Well, you, you're not gonna be able to succeed doing it mm-hmm. in our opinion. Uh, it might not be a right fit for you. It's just, it just seems like the wrong environment for, for a marketer to operate in. Yeah. So if you really do get that pushback, like you're basically saying, like it might be time to find a new company that actually does, even if there were some negative, uh, you know, relationships with platforms and strategies, yeah. you know, a good leader is going to say, Hey, go ahead and, and give this a shot. And that might be a red flag if that's not the case, right? A, a good leader trusts you to fail in your own way at least once. Mm. Makes sense. So the next one we have is it doesn't feel like us. I feel like this one kind of go, I feel like this is uh, more prevalent than the first. 
Uh, it certainly can be, especially in, in well-established companies that, that hold tightly to their brand. Yeah. And that's especially the case if, you know, if the CEO and the founders have, have been there since the beginning, they launch the company with a specific vision of what their product is and, and who it's for. And here you are as a marketing leader, maybe you're a new one coming in thinking, let's, let's, let's shake things up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the first thing I'm going to change is the H1 on the website. And I'm going to change <laughs> our, our slogan and I'm going to change who we're marketing to and all this stuff and, and the, everything down to the brand colors, right? And, and in those cases, the leadership team has been there for a lot longer than you have. They get super nervous about that. Mm-hmm. And they say, this kind of language and social copy does not feel like us. This kind of these illustrations on the website don't feel like us. And I think, you, you know, you're more successful beating this kind of objection if you can, you know, point out the fact that, well, if this was working, we would have, we would have seen better growth by now. You brought mm-hmm. me in because we have a marketing problem. Yeah. Uh, you brought me in to, to change the minds of a much larger section of the market and, and gain market share. Uh, again, tr- trust me to at least know what I'm doing um, and then recognize that uh, the old way of doing things is not going to uh, attract the customers that are going to be responsible for your growth in the future. Mm-hmm. So, so again, it, it's sort of another uh, occasion of um, let's not be stuck in the past. Uh, the future is our goal. Future growth is a goal. How are we going to get those next thousand or a million customers? You, you know, like the, the biggest addressable market for all of us is like folks who've never heard of us before, unless you're like one of the biggest players in the space. They don't care what your tagline was five years ago or what the website looked like or, or who your, uh, you know, your target segment was three years ago. Uh, they, they care about what you're saying to them right now. So, if you can make a credible case, we can reach and talk to a lot more people with this approach. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a little scary, if it even takes us out of our comfort zone, we are going to be more successful because we are because we're going to have the ear of more of our of our ideal buyers. Um, that's the case you have to make. There's more opportunity uh, with this approach, and we're going to be talking to a lot more people. They're going to be hearing us if we change our marketing messaging and marketing approach just this little bit. And again, hear the details. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned in the beginning of this, uh, you know, sometimes marketers go in and they want to change the H1 headline. They want to redo the logo and change all the copy. Do you, obviously you're going to get pushback at that point. That's like, Hey, this doesn't feel like us. Do you think actually that strategy can be a little dangerous to do everything at once and just totally rock the ship? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, you know, when you're showing up in a new gig as a marketing, you know, we all, we all have this kind of like, self-defeating instinct to make our mark on the place um, when, and this is sort of off, off topic, but I, I think when you, when you show up in a, a new marketing role, you're going to want to look for those, you know, some people call them low, low hanging fruit, but it's like the sure. opportunities to, to actually help the business mm-hmm. quickly. These quick wins that you want to get on the board, this part of our funnel is inefficient. This part of our sales process, these paid ads are not working. Let's shut them off. Let's focus more much on that. Like these are the things you should be doing first. Mm-hmm. That is that is going to you know within sixty days move the needle in terms of revenue. Yeah. Once once you can do that, you get a, a little more leeway to make these other changes that are sort of less short term measurable and more you know done with an eye towards the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I guess the other thing I'll I'll say on that is like. We know that that you know in anybody's space, you could probably point to competitors who have done this sort of thing and sort of shaken out of their old branding, shaken out of their old messaging, and and done that very successfully. And you know these are things you want to present the objectioner with as well. 
Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, uh, an example of the time that I've seen like, Hey, this, it doesn't feel like us is when there's so many cooks in the kitchen and everyone thinks that they have to breathe their experience per se. This right. is with I'm doing quotes here into yeah. the marketing department. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's a balance there too, as to like, Hey, we have two or three executives, key executives in on this instead yeah. of the whole board. Like, I don't know oh, how yeah. you approach that because I'm sure that probably helps cut down on the, this doesn't feel like us from the 10% of them that are sitting at the table, as opposed to the other 90, that are like, let's go for it. I mean, that's, you raise a really interesting point because you, you know, no, no, no sort of marketing by committee or like copywriting committee yeah. ever sounds like a, an actual human being talking to you. So it's almost like, let's think of the question itself. It doesn't feel like us. Is it the Royal we that's talking to you? Mm-hmm. It should be like, it doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like you. It's, it's, it's one person, you know, like any brand should have a singular voice, I think. And it's really hard to accomplish when there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. and a lot of non-marketers in the kitchen, honestly. Uh, you know, if you have a brand team with a couple copywriters and a couple designers, that's usually enough, mm-hmm. especially if they're being guided by a marketing leader with, with a, a vision that's just as strong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think you want to avoid bringing into, you know, I think like, especially at the beginning, bringing in too much of a leadership team and saying, okay, is this okay? Yeah. Uh, because that sets a negative precedent where, you know, like do maybe you're opening the door at that point, opening the door for feedback and nitpicking and, and a lack of confidence in your own belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next one we have on the list here is we can't afford to do that. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> I feel like many markers have heard that one as well. <laughs> yeah, we've all heard it. And, uh, you know, especially if, you know, we're a startup business. There's not a lot of runway, not a lot of room for failure, or you've been burned burn in the past. Um, it, it really means that whoever's telling you that does not think that your idea is going to pay off financially. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a matter most often of just being short-term focused. You know, some things are, are very short-term evident. And if we pump money into Google ads, we, we know how much, how many customers we're getting in return. And, uh, you know, we, we pay money to our affiliates. We can see a direct return on that. Some of the things that are more brand focused, whether that's a podcast, whether that's like radio ads and billboard ads, uh, and anything that's not digitally measurable, I suppose, in terms of like the customers that are coming in. Uh, again, a sort of like short-term focus leader, they get their hackles raised by that. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, CEOs are kind of emotional beasts, but they're also very analytical. When you, when you hear this, you have to sort of speak in the language of attribution. So, so maybe the goal of what you're proposing is not to raise, you know, engage leads or customers by X number, but is it impressions? You know, is it, is it new visitors to your website? Uh, is it yeah, press mentions? Uh, you have to be able to quantify something mm-hmm. or, or else I think it, it's a really tough sell. So, so be able to come in with a pro- proposal saying, yeah, I, I don't know if the, uh, sort of revenue impact might be hard to measure until like month nine or 12, but here's what we can measure. And here's what the impact of this is, is what will be forecasted uh, from, from the data I've gathered. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the point of everything we do is ultimately the stuff is going to pay off. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do, you know, we wouldn't pursue a campaign or a strategy as a marketer if we think it was going to like lose us money long-term. Yeah. So just, you know, you got to write out the vision and, and make it, make it plain for, uh, for your CEOs and leadership team. Yeah. And like you mentioned, there is a difference between like a short-term win that you're going to put some budget for or toward, and then like these brand building, um, long-term things like, of course, 
you know, one of them is going to get more pushback than the other. Yeah. And, and like, you got to explain the difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if you are a, a leader who does not come directly from a marketing background, that's not, that's, that's something that needs to be explained to you. Um, th- this, uh, you know, this campaign will cost $30,000. This campaign causes, you know, costs the same amount of money. Why is this one bringing more customers? Well, they're not designed to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. One is a, a lead generation. One is more of a demand gen- generation. Yeah. It's supposed to, uh, make us more visible in the market. That takes a while to pay off, but you know, let's check back in a, in a year on this and, and get that we'll snowball rolling. Yeah. 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 Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, moving right along here, we're, we have a couple more. Um, why don't you run an experiment first? <laughs> I mean, I've heard this one more than any other yeah, This one. one's funny, yes. <laughs> because, you know, we come in with big ideas and we want to sort of shoot for the moon. Um, and, and the ambition and the cost, this, you know, goes back to budget. It can be scary mm-hmm. if you're the one holding the purse strings or, you're, you know, it's, it's the money coming out of your pocket as a business leader. Um, the the drawback, unfortunately, is that you know, the reality, I, sh- I should say, is that some things are not really measurable in small degrees. Um, y- you know, a, a couple examples I put in the article I wrote for Entrepreneur is like, if you want to, you know, test the efficiency or the impact of having a Super Bowl ad, running a, a local commercial on cable access is not going to give you any data <laughs> that it's going to that you can extrapolate to like what would it be if we had a Super Bowl ad, right? And and uh, you know, to quote my my friend Paul. Like, you know, you want to chair for the office. It's okay if we start with a one-legged model before upgrading the four-legged model. Mm-hmm. That's his metaphor that he uses. I love that. So it's like, sometimes you kind of do need to go all in. If it is a big idea, if it's something that's supposed to get you a lot of attention, some things cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just not, there's, there's no MVP that can give you valid data on what would happen if we 20X this thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, at that point, you just have to convince the leadership leadership team of the vision. Here's what I'm thinking. This is why we need to go so big. We we have tried small experiments in the fat and in, in the past, and they have not worked. And mm-hmm. and here's why they haven't worked. But we haven't tried anything like this. I believe it'll be a success. Um, you know, if it's not, I'll deal with that. You know, I, I'm responsible and accountable for that. But look, if you if you believe uh, for a big idea, you have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't. You know, that that's the biggest area of compromise I see all the time with marketing leaders. They have a big idea. It gets compromised down to a fraction of what it could be and would be. And guess what? It's not a success. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's not make this a habit as, as marketing leaders. This is an easy trap that we fall in, into all the time. Stick to your guns and, um, you know, don't actually propose something unless you think, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. And you know what? There are some things I'm sure in marketing that you can experiment with right? You can, you can mess around with some headlines and some copy on the website to sure. see some split tests, AB yeah. tests, some things, right? That's an example of, all right, we'll kind of experiment, but like, you can't experiment by launching a podcast, testing the first three episodes and going, right. you know what, we got 15 listens. Let's scrap it because exactly. that's exactly yeah. how all of them start. You can't post on LinkedIn for two weeks, hoping to get some exposure for your brand and then go, you know what? Oh, we didn't get any engagement. We didn't get any inbound leads. We're done. Yeah, right. those think, are those long form things that you really need to like dig in and go hard at for a, a good period of time. I, I mean, I was you took the words right out of my mouth, and I think content is a perfect example of this. Yeah. And it, you know, it could be podcasts, it could be your YouTube channel. Let's mm-hmm. let's make three or four YouTube videos and see what happens. Well, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> you know, like it's something you have to do on a very regular basis for over a year, over a course of years. 
to, to build a channel. Mm-hmm. You know, like testing the waters does not work, whether it's YouTube or podcast or blog content. What you're doing is, is building an arm of your marketing department. You're building a channel and it takes a long time to build. And then, and then you see how effective it is. But, you know, you don't put the first brick and say, well, the wall didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, you sort of have to build the entire thing first and see if it's a success or not. Yeah. So one of the uh, objections that wasn't in your article, but we'll talk about it here, was I don't get it. Is that in reference to messaging? Is that in reference to like a bright idea? Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be in regards to almost anything and anything different that your company hasn't done before. Mm-hmm. It, it could be what kind of conferences you're attending. It, mm-hmm. it could be what kind of content you're putting out, you know, gosh, especially the, the ones that you might think of as, as trendy. You know, I don't personally like, let's, you know, I'm not like, let's get into TikTok kind of yeah. a, a marketer, but like there's a lot of brands out there that are like using that as a great channel for them. And if you have a, you know, a business leader, CEO that's, you know, they've run the company for 30 or 40 years, I'm like TikTok. I, I don't, I don't get it. I, these, I see kids dancing around and making art <laughs> and pointing to text on the screen. I don't know what this is. Yeah. This is maybe a bad example because I'm not, I'm not like, again, I'm not a fan of, <laughs> I'm not uh, championing, championing TikTok here, but like, it's an example of like, it's mm-hmm. a new thing. People are doing it. It might seem very strange to someone who is not of that world. Mm-hmm. And it, again, if you're hired in to be a marketing leader and make these kinds of calls, I don't know what you can say to your CEO, except it's not your job to get it. You know, you hired me to make our brand stand out in the market, uh, to get, convince a piece of the market of what we believe. Do you trust me to do my job? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that a, a CEO shouldn't have veto power, yeah. but I don't get it. Is, is not a valid argument. And again, this is when you put your salesperson hat on and say, well, what's really the matter? What are, we, what are you really telling me? I have to interpret this. And so I'm gonna ask follow-up questions um, and, and keep digging. Well, what, what don't you get? Let's talk about that. What, what do you think the, the potentials for failure are here? Do you think we're not equipped to uh, succeed here? Is it, how is it not right for our brand? Again, these are the questions that a salesperson asks on a discovery call every single time. So, so we as marketers need to be asking the same questions to get to the final answer of, you know, ho- hopefully some uh, greater level of candor or, or, or detail than just, I don't get it because that's not an answer. And it's not really one you need to take seriously, honestly. So at the end of, let's just say we wrapped all this up. If you had to put like a bow on all of this, your piece of advice would mark, would be marketers. You need to put your sales hat on yeah. and you need to basically convince your CEO, like you're convincing your market to buy your products is basically what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think the, the, the better corollary is, is to behave as if a salesperson would behave when the call is not going well, mm-hmm. which is you have to ask questions to find the root of the problem and then address that problem instead of shrinking away and, and saying, oh, Boston liked the idea. It's back to the drawing board. Like, that's, that's not a successful uh, way of operating. So yeah, put the sales hat on, treat it like a, a, a sales call that's going south try to keep it alive, trying to find what the real issue is, and then come back with your better argument that is not just better in the sense of more eloquent, but lays out the vision more clearly. And that is hopefully backed by some sort of data and evidence that you've gathered from your own research, uh, from past history of the company, from what, what the market's looking at like right now. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, your story will be beat the existing story. That's a killer way to wrap it up. I, I love that. Super good. Um, 
you know, information for us here in this article. Like I said, for those listening, it's going to be on entrepreneur.com. So I'm going to put this link in the, uh, the show notes. So if you want to check it out, um, definitely do that to dig deeper, Ben. Awesome job. So I do have some like closing questions that I like to ask uh, our guests. So the first one is obviously like our passion is making SaaS websites better uh, mm-hmm. than they currently are. So I always like to hear like from people in the market, what is a website strategy or in regards to your website strategy, what's something that you've recently tried and did it work or did it not work? So I, I don't think I can a- answer the second piece of that question quite yet because it's too early, but like mm-hmm. I, what's on my mind right now is we're about to push something live next week. So this is still very fresh, but it's very simple. And we're going to add a question to our homepage above the fold that just says, what are you looking for? And let's say there, you know, there's probably gonna be like two options to click on or select. You know, I'm looking for a simple CRM to manage my contacts and leads, or I'm looking for a powerful CRM with sales automation and advanced reporting. And, you know, so the idea is either of those options will lead the visitor to a landing page that gives them a high level overview of our two, you know, main product tiers, which are now called Nutshell and Nutshell Pro. Mm-hmm. The reason we're doing this is because we are, we think complexity has become a problem. And we think our visitors are getting a little overwhelmed uh, at different points of our funnel because our, our product can do so much, you know, mm-hmm. and it can be used in a lot of use cases. And, you know, we, hey, we have this and we have this and we have the other thing. And like, if you're just on your own trying to figure that out by browsing through a website, that could be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, instead of having them hunt and peck around, we're just trying to like, offer this clearer path of like, especially for those folks who, who are in this sort of just coming in from spreadsheets, they don't really, they're not as tech savvy. They just need a simple sales contact management solution. Uh, we wanna lead those folks to a coherent page a lot mm-hmm. quicker so that they don't float away. And, and really this is what it's about. It's about, we think we're losing the sort of lower end of the market. We're become, becoming overwhelmed by all the features in this great CRM and sales automation platform that we offer. And, and that starts, we think, and we hope with just asking a simple question at yeah. the top. So again, I, I, you know, this is something that is rolling out next week. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't tell you the, uh, the, uh, you know, the impact and how, how it played out. I will update you. And, yeah. I, I will be very curious to know. Um, I, I like the idea for sure. It's just, you're basically having them self-segment in a very simple, easy, one-click way is what you're doing, right? Yeah. And, and that's actually going to be followed you know, after they hopefully convert on the page, start a free trial of our software. Um, this sort of change also uh, floats down to the sort of educational content they get, uh, you know, in their inbox after they've signed up. So, you know, these folks who have self-selected of, I just need this simple CRM solution. They will be getting an educational series mm. that is in itself less complex than the one we usually send that has, here are all the bells and whistles, here's how you can get started, um, you know, boosting your revenue. And it's like, well, slow down. I, I don't even know how to organize my con- my contacts yet. Yeah. What's a lead, you know, like th- uh-huh. this sort of thing. So st- starting from the educational uh, element of that, that well, giving them a simpler drip to kind of chew on uh, is also part of this thing. It has to be like a simpler, um, you know, simpler experience throughout the funnel. And I'll just uh, shout out our creative director, Rebecca Kuhn. I've probably shouted out her out in the last show too, but this is her idea. And, and, and uh, I think it's going to be a great one and, and help us capture more folks who are just coming in on that lower end of understanding uh, yeah. of what our product does. That's, that's a good idea. I'm curious to know again, you know, how this pans out. Hopefully, uh, you know, the best for sure. Wishing the best to you with it. We'll have to do like uh, our third episode. We'll have to dive into like, yo, how did this Whoa. go? <laughs> that's a lot of commitment. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Might yeah, have to have you back. 
So to close this out, I, I'm pretty sure we did this on our first episode as well. Uh, basically, I just want to hand you the mic, give you the opportunity to ask me a few questions um, to mix things up here. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, the first question is super top of mind for me because guess what, Sam? I'm launching a podcast of my own uh, for cool. Nutshell. Um, I'm going to keep it a little under wraps for now. I'm not, I'm not going to use your show to, to do a plug. Just I know, it's all right. But um, what I'm curious about is what method for promoting your show has been most successful for you outside of just asking the guests, hey, promote it on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. promote it on your net, because everybody does that with a sort of, it's, it's a no-brainer. Beyond that, what have you been able to do to get more, uh, eyeballs is the wrong metaphor, but get more ears on your show? Yeah, um, it's important to remember that people aren't going to just click a link to go listen to your 30, 45-minute, hour-long podcast. People aren't going to go from zero to 60 when it comes to long form content. And you have to think back to, well, how do I consume content as a buyer or as a consumer, or even just in everyday life? How did I discover the podcast that I'm listening to now? And then reverse engineer, okay, I was doing this, da, 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 da. And then eventually it led me to the podcast. Because for me, unless someone recommends, and even if someone recommends a show, I'm probably not going to go listen to like a whole episode. Like it's really time consuming. So a huge win is with your short form content. And your short form content shouldn't be a teaser, right? So the, it shouldn't be a, a 30 second video that says, yeah, we're going to be talking about this, this, and this, the short form content should deliver. Yeah. You should have a key takeaway from the video you post, from the graphic that you put out from the slide deck that you post on LinkedIn. And then people will start to remember, oh, this is really good content. And eventually from there, they're going to go explore the long form content of a show. That's hopefully like the funnel or the, the, the hike that they take down your content. Right. Yeah. And it's the same idea. thing for me. I mean, like I'll be scrolling TikTok and I'll see a video of like a really cool podcast and it catches my attention and it's 30 seconds long. I don't go listen to the podcast then, but it's in the back of my mind. And eventually I do go listen to that podcast. And the same thing happens with even some like business podcasts. I see some content on LinkedIn for a few months, eventually I'll go listen to the podcast. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I don't see some more content and then eventually maybe go back to that podcast. I've had that happen a couple of times and it's really, you win with the short form content that you can have takeaways right there in the feed. That's super smart. Thank you. I will be doing that. (laughs) Duly noted. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I have one more question for you. Um, so yeah, actually, Last week, I was a guest on another podcast, the Business Growth Show with Sam Dunning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he asked me, are B2B blogs dead? Which is a, a very common, like, podcaster question. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, let's, let's get a hot take out there. And, and you know, I, at the time, I was like, of course not. That's silly. Like, blogs aren't dead. PPC isn't dead. Cold calling isn't dead. You know, virtual conferences aren't dead. It's just everything's become more competitive. So you need to be one of the best to stand out. That was basically my answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been sitting with that because... I wonder if now I'm sort of like second guessing myself, are there exceptions to that rule? Meaning, is there anything in the world of digital marketing or content marketing that you think is dead and and should be avoided sort of going forward or at least in our current environment? So I had someone on this podcast probably about a year ago, and this wasn't his example, but it was a friend of his that was also a marketer. They were marketing to dentists right? And they talked to their buyers. And what they realized was these dentists are really highly educated. 
And they get most of their content, not from LinkedIn, not from Facebook, not from Instagram, from dental magazines. And they are reading these magazines. And that's where this company started promoting their CRM for dentists or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And it turned into one of their best marketing channels, a magazine subscription for dentists. So I think if we step back and go, is something really dead? Before I had heard that, I probably would have said, oh, you know, print and magazine, like who the heck is going to in 2022 market to like professional dentists in a magazine, right? Who's going to do that? But it turned out to be one of their best channels. So I think Mm -hmm. that kind of answers the question of, is anything truly dead? You need to talk to your buyers and find that out. Now, as a joke, uh, probably like organic Facebook is dead. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's anything while, really right? dead here, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would not go start like a Facebook page today and hope that that like breathes life into your business unless you're yeah. putting a bunch of paid dollars behind it. So I guess that's my only exception, but um, unless you have like 10,000 followers and a killer Facebook page already, then uh, probably not the best thing for you. <laughs> that's super good advice. And I love what you said about magazines too, because I think digital marketers just write off anything that's not digital. Or digitally measurable. Or they write off, they write off digital things because someone on LinkedIn said, this is dead. And then you're (laughs) like, oh yeah, you know, like SEO is dead. And SEO is not a strategy of ours. It's not something that we do, but I know a lot of companies that are kicking butt with it because of how their buyers buy. Yeah. And this just a decision that we've made to focus on a couple of core channels where we know the content is being consumed and maybe we'll do SEO one day. But like right now we're focused on the key drivers and eventually we'll stack that growth and maybe SEO will be part of that strategy. But right now, after talking to buyers, here's the direction that we're going to go. Yeah. And what you quickly mentioned there, uh, look, LinkedIn is in real life. We're all just making it up as we go along. So <laughs> it's you know, good clickbait. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> any thought leadership you see on, on LinkedIn, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's, mm-hmm. it's just one person's opinion. And, uh, you know, they, they might've just come up with that uh, idea in the shower just then hasn't been proven out. Yeah. Uh, but God, God bless all you thought leaders We're really out there doing it. <laughs> you know, an- you. another thing as well to add on to this is it can go in the completely other direction as well. So from this channel is completely dead to, oh, you need to be on every single channel possible. And this is like right. a, uh, a small business example, right? I have, um, a friend of ours owns like a little construction company. And they had come to me and said, I heard that we need to be on Twitter. We need to be on Instagram. We need to be on Facebook and we need these pages. Like our business is going to die without it. And they were like in a frantic, like I heard from someone that we have to be in all these places. Mm -hmm. And of course they post none of those places. Right. But they have a page apparently. And it's like interesting because I don't know where they heard that. It was probably uncle Harry at the, the (laughs) family picnic or whatever saying you have to be everywhere to get some exposure. And it's interesting because they went the complete opposite direction. Not this is dead. It's this is the best platform since sliced bread. We have to be there. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not the best idea either. No, look, you know, I think the first law is exactly what you said before, which is like, where are your buyers actually? Like you have to figure that part out first. If you're trying to decide where should I, where should my marketing communications be? Figure out where your buyers are actually consuming information and content. That's step one. But like a sort of distant second, would be like, what are, what is your team actually good at? What are the channels you actually understand? 
Um, and, and that might not be the hottest new new digital channel. It could yeah. be magazines, you know, or, you know, could <laughs> be mailers. And if Isn't that's that what you're good at, stick to that. Yeah. You know, like just do that and maybe outsource a couple more things. But like mm-hmm. you as an internal in-house marketing team do not need to be doing everything. It's, it's you know, it's time you're, you're wasting when you can be spending, uh, having a much bigger impact in the channels that matter. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, this is a killer conversation. I think I like this better than even episode one. I think you knocked ah. it out of the park here. So awesome job, Ben. Um, to close so. us out, I know you brushed uh, by like what Nutshell does, but give us like the 30 second rundown uh, so people know. I always like to give a shout out. Yeah, sure. So Nutshell is an all-in-one CRM and email marketing platform. It helps B2B companies work together to close more deals. That's much uh, shorter than 30 seconds, but that's who we are. <laughs> and you can find us at www.nutshell.com. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for a simple CRM contact man- management solution, we have that. But you know what? <laughs> if you're looking for something more powerful as sales automation and uh, super advanced reporting, and it's still easy to use, <laughs> we have that too. Um, Just click so, on the website, which direction you want to go. <laughs> that's exactly. Hopefully by the time this airs, you'll be able to see that question. I talked Absolutely. about earlier in the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, thanks so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for coming on the reunion tour. It was a pleasure having you here, man. My pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much. 